What's up, boxing fans? Dax Khan from Talking Box with Billy C. It's September 2022. Today's topics. Comments made by Timothy Bradley pertaining to Alexander Usyk, Anthony Joshua, and other fighters in the heavyweight division during the August 27th ESPN broadcast of Jose Pedraza versus Richard Comey, along with a glance at the heavyweight division's very possible near future. So we've all had two weeks to rewatch, dissect, break down, digest, however you want to put it, Alexander Usyk's second win over Anthony Joshua, a fighter who, despite being an Olympic gold medalist and two-time unified heavyweight champion, ever since that loss, has become the sport's most overrated fighter of the last two decades. Now, it would be one thing if I was just reading comments like that from random social media fans, but I've actually read similar comments in articles on certain all-boxing media websites. During that ESPN telecast between Jose Pedraza and Richard Comey, a discussion pertaining to the current pound-for-pound ranking started between the broadcast team. After someone mentions Alexander Usyk has a valid claim for the top spot and provokes this barrage of confusing criticism and comments from Timothy Bradley, first he starts to question what has Alexander Usyk accomplished to date in his career to be considered the best fighter in boxing, and then he questions how can we take him serious as a top three heavyweight considering he's only beaten Chaz Witherspoon, Derek Chisora, and has two wins over Anthony Joshua. Once it was pointed out to Timothy Bradley that, well, Usyk does hold three of the four major titles, and he did just win that vacant ring magazine title. Bradley then critiques Joshua's loss to Andrew Ruiz Jr. Now, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. But sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mentioning Chaz Witherspoon, Derek Chisora, and pointing out Joshua has a loss to Andrew Ruiz Jr. is one thing. But on air, putting it, who is Usyk beaten? Chaz Witherspoon, Derek Chisora, and Anthony Joshua, a guy who has a loss to Andrew Ruiz Jr., and then laughing out loud? I mean, it made him sound more like an internet troll rather than a professional commentator. I'm not sure what provoked or initiated those comments from Tim Bradley, but I think every time he's progressing and becoming a better announcer, he does something like this to regress. And it happens usually whenever Andre Ward is not on the set. Bradley also, whenever Andre Ward is not there, is developing this bad habit of slinging mud at other fighters' worst moments and finding ways to detract from their career-high accomplishments, such as mentioning Anthony Joshua's loss to Andy Ruiz Jr. Now, if Anthony Joshua had a loss to Kevin Kingpin Johnson, the go-to journeyman, Bradley would have a solid case. But using Andy Ruiz Jr. to try and discredit Anthony Joshua and reinforce what has Alexander Usyk actually accomplished to be considered a top three heavyweight, I mean, really, that, that just... I mean, I don't even know if Timothy Bradley realized how ridiculous he sounded. I mean, Andy Ruiz Jr. has a very credible amateur background. He's not one-dimensional. He's actually a legitimate top 10 ranked heavyweight. I believe he has the fastest hands in the division, something I don't think Anthony Joshua was expecting that night. Don't forget, he was also more or less the victim of hometown cooking in his 2016 vacant WBO title fight against Joseph Parker. I'm all yes. The loss to Ruiz Jr. was a huge upset in boxing. Especially when you factor in Ruiz was a 
replacement opponent for Jerome Miller, who had tested positive for banned substances, and up until that point, Anthony Joshua outside Vladimir Klitschko, anytime he landed his first clean shot, the fight was over. Otherwise, Andrew Ruiz Jr. went in shape on any given night, can beat any heavyweight out there, so long as their name is not Tyson Fury or Alexander Usyk. Some fights just don't go as expected. And it's happened to all the greats. It's happened to Sugar Ray Robinson. It's happened to Muhammad Ali. It happened to Sugar Ray Leonard. It's happened to Lennox Lewis. It happened to Mike Tyson. We can go on and on. It's happened to Timothy Bradley. And sometimes you even get a little bit of help that you shouldn't. Which has also happened to Timothy Bradley. He's gotten some help with judges, along with being forced out of his element by a fighter with a much lesser skill set, such as Ruslan Provokhanov. Now, that fight was an all-time classic in terms of heart and will. It ranks right up there with Israel Vasquez versus Rafael Marquez or Arturo Gatti versus Mickey Ward in terms of heart, will, and brutality. But to emphasize my point, Bradley only won that fight by a point on two judges' scorecards. He certainly did not enter that fight thinking he was going to be drawn into a war like that. Unfortunately, by Timothy Bradley's own admission, that fight shortened his career. I'm not sure if he felt he needed to prove something by standing toe-to-toe, but it took multiple doctors and four months for Timothy Bradley to recover afterwards. And again, I'm a big Timothy Bradley fan. I'm not trying to detract from his career. I interviewed him before he ever had a major fight. I believe he still doesn't get the accolades he has earned. I'm just enforcing nights like that happen. And Andrew Ruiz Jr. defeating Anthony Joshua was a poor example as a way of throwing a blemish on either Anthony Joshua or Alexander Usyk's career to date. And as a former multi-time WBO champion, Timothy Bradley should be familiar with their WBO champion rule, which is where a title holder who has made defenses can call out the champion of their sanctioned body in the division above or below them and become the automatic mandatory. Chaz Witherspoon and Derek Chisora were more or less get acquainted to the heavyweight division fights for Usyk, similar to what Thomas Adamek did when he faced Michael Grant and Kevin McBride in preparations for Vitaly Klitschko, except Usyk came out on top unlike a brave but overmatched Thomas Adamek. In terms of Usyk having a valid claim to the number one spot pound for pound. I don't know if Timothy Bradley has been so busy behind the microphone table to pay attention, but this is a man who has accomplished a lot in 20 fights. The man has a gold medal. He has won lineal titles in two divisions. He's defeated a former lineal champion. He's 9-0 in world title fights. He's defeated seven world champions, three at the time undefeated. He's defended his his title against an undefeated opponent, Matter of fact, a guy who has moved up to the heavyweight division just like Usyk and is now a top 10 ranked heavyweight. He hasn't lost since facing Alexander Usyk. Factoring the fact that Alexander Usyk, out of his 20 wins, 12 have been on the road. And he's been the B-side in his opponent's hometown or countries, even when defending his world titles. And as of right now, when you 
add up the combined career resume of Alexander Usyk's opponents, it comes to 473 wins, 80 losses, 9 draws, with 348 of those coming by way of stoppage. So yes, Alexander Usyk has a strong argument for the top spot. Personally, I have Naoya Inouye as a top fighter, pound for pound, but we all know pound for pound rankings are opinionated, they're not official. So long as the fighters on that list are facing the best opposition available to them, the top three are always interchangeable without controversy. So Usyk as number one is not a stretch by any means. Was anybody else surprised at how close that fight between Richard Coleman and Jose Pedraza was? That provided good back-and-forth action throughout the entire fight. I can honestly say neither myself nor anyone I've spoken to so far have been bothered by the fact it ended in a split draw. And we know how boxing fans get when hearing those type decisions announced. The words, this bout has been declared, whether it be split draw or majority draw coming out of the ring announcer's mouth, might as well be like nails on the chalkboard. Jose Pedraza looked good early. Comey controlled the middle rounds. There were some close rounds to score. But belt to bell, it didn't disappoint. It was a solid fight overall. Got to credit the matchmaking. And I believe everybody who watched it would love to see it run again. I'm not sure where either is going in terms of the upper tier at 140. Pedraza already has losses to former unified champion Jose Ramirez and one to Jose Zapata. Richard Comey is talented, but has a bad habit of fighting in spurts more often than not, which cost him several fights at lightweight. 140 pounds right now might be the toughest division in the sport overall. You have Josh Taylor. You have Regis Progray. You have a young, hungry, hard-hitting Gary Antoine Russell. You have slick guys like Sander Martin. You have a well-rounded, highly underestimated Jack Catterall. These are all genuine 140, some even closer to 147-pound fighters. Plus, you add in the recent additions of former unified lightweight champion Teofimo Lopez and Ryan Garcia. So only time is going to tell us what's next for Jose Pedraza and Richard Comey at 140 pounds. But personally, I think they have both plateaued. Back to Alexander Usyk. He has an IBF mandatory in place, Felipe Rogovich who earned that position on the Usyk-Joshua 2 undercard by squeaking past the 39-year-old Zaili Zhang after, be, after being dropped early. Now, Zhang has an elite amateur pedigree and silver medal to prove it. And Zhang has beaten many of the top current professionals during their amateur years. Yet, despite size and skills, Zhang did nothing special in that fight. If Zhang had better stamina, he'd be the IBF mandatory right now, not Felipe Rogovich. I mean, you could have gotten up, made a cup of coffee at the start of a combination, sat back down, and he still wouldn't have been finished. Zaili Zhang, as stated before, is a skilled fighter with an Olympic silver medal to prove it. Matter of fact, Felipe Rogovich has his own Olympic medal, but that night he looked very flawed. Maybe we can attribute it to the fact that Zhang is his best career opponent to date, Maybe we can attribute it to the fact that Hergovich overlooked him. I'm not sure. I will say that the team of Hergovich has done a great job in terms of marketing him, but they haven't done such a great job in terms of preparing him to be in with the division's top names. Personally, I think Hergovich needs to face some more well-rounded opponents and maybe a little bit of adversity first before he chases a world title. And is anybody else confused by conflicting reports of Deontay Wilder versus Robert Hellenius being a WBC elimination bout. Now, I was pretty sure, and Robert Hellenius was pretty sure, he has been the WBA mandatory since winning their gold title in his first fight against Adam Kanauke. 
Then we have Daniel Dubois, owner of the WBA regular title, whose only loss is to Joe Joyce and was well ahead on the cards before suffering that eye injury in line for a shot at the WBA Super World title in possession of Alexander Usyk. Then we have Joe Joyce versus Joe Parker coming up later in September as a WBO elimination bout. I find it just a little too convenient that Alexander Usyk will be presented with so many mandatory challengers at once. The IBF is notorious for stripping fighters who don't face their mandatories, even if a bigger fight for the betterment of the sport is looming. They did it to Tyson Fury for wanting to rematch Vladimir Klitschko, who deserved a rematch considering his length of time as champion, yet they insisted Fury face their mandatory instead. When Fury refused, they stripped him of the IBF belt. Once Fury got stripped, the belt went up for grabs between their top two fighters. I believe at the time it was Zar Glaskov and Charles Martin. Remember, that was the fight where Glaskov injured his knee. At some point, he went down and could not continue. Charles Martin wins the title by KO due to injury. While they're showing him the replay of the hook he threw missing as Glaskov fell, and asked him how he felt about becoming champion based off an injury, Martin responds with this ridiculous comment that left my jaw open, just like it left Jim Gray's jaw open, that it proves I hit so hard, my punches don't even need to land. Now, the IBF sticking to their guns and enforcing their mandatory rule did help make history, because Charles Martin is the second shortest reigning heavyweight champion in history just behind Tony Tucker. Because remember, just three months later, in under two rounds, Charles Martin gets blasted out by Anthony Joshua, then fades off for a while to spend some money. Which is another problem, money. While Tyson Fury, our on-again, off-again retired champion, versus Alexander Usyk would be a great unification bout, I do believe both are levels above the rest of the division, talent-wise. I actually believe Usyk is more talented than Fury, but I would actually favor Fury in that fight based on size. But Usyk, despite his skill set, is not the most marketable heavyweight. And I'm not talking about just Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. I'm talking about Deontay Wilder. That includes Joseph Parker, the former WBO belt holder. That includes Joseph Joyce. You know, these are all guys that are known heavyweights. Alexander Usyk is more known as a cruiserweight, and the cruiserweight division is not popular worldwide, which is why I can see a repeat of the Tyson Fury and Vladimir Klitschko scenario taking place should Alexander Usyk face a different mandatory other than Filip Pergovich, like the winner of Joe Joyce and Joe Parker, or Wilder versus Hellenius. Because they would both be not only more credible, but more profitable fights for Alexander Usyk. Should that happen, the IBF will strip Alexander Usyk and most likely put it up for grabs between former champion Anthony Joshua and the mandatory Philippe Hergovich. From what we've seen from Hergovich the last few uh, the last fight, most likely Anthony Joshua wins. Tyson Fury unretires again, and boxing gets its possibly highest-grossing fight of all time, or at minimum this error, when Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury face off in London for the WBC and IBF 
heavyweight titles. I mean, is this plausible or no? When you have eight and nine figures involved, and everyone besides the fighters will make at minimum six figures, things like that happen, be it by hook or by crook. Another thing with money, will the PBC ever be free again? Now, I like this September 4th heavyweight fight between Andrew Ruiz Jr. and Luis Ortiz. I just can't justify it being sold for $79.99 plus tax. There's an okay undercard with Jose Venezuela versus Jezreel Corrales. Um, I believe it's Abner Marius will face Miguel Flores. I think Rasim Alim and Mike Plania, I can't remember anymore, but $79.99 plus tax, just in my opinion, is terrible. Not to mention the fact it's going to be on a Sunday. I'm not sure how well this is going to sell. Well, that's it for this segment, fans. Tune in for my next segment when I break down the September 10th Claresha Shields versus Savannah Marshall female middleweight unification bout and the overall state of women's boxing. Until then, I'm Dax Khan. You can catch me over on Talking Boxing with Billy C. With the man who still sports the best 70s mustache on the planet, Billy C. Along with Alex Double P. Pierpoli. Until then, send your opinions to Billy at TalkingBoxing.com.